There's plenty of bad news out there. How about some good news? The book of Proverbs says that good news from a far country is like cold waters to a thirsty soul. I'm glad you're listening, because I do have good news. It's from a far country, so get out a tall glass. My name is Dean Kirshner, and I'm part of the Ministry of Gospel Link. As you can tell by the name, Gospel Link is centered on the good news of Jesus Christ, who He is, what He has done, and what He is doing today. Grim headlines and too many tragedies crowd the media nowadays. But in this podcast, Gospel Inc. wants to share good news from a far country. Many countries, in fact. The good news is that of a growing church led by national preachers. I've mentioned Gospel Inc. in almost every episode, so I should explain that Gospel Inc. is an American-based ministry that enables local churches here in the States and individuals who are committed to the Great Commission of Jesus Christ to be partners in spreading the gospel and planting churches in a variety of foreign countries where the church is growing. When I say partners, this is what I mean. We are an established mission organization, and right now there are over 1,200 national indigenous preachers and church planners with whom we are working. These preachers are supported in prayer, in relationship, and in finances by Christians who believe in the power and authority of the Lord Jesus and who understand that evangelism and discipleship can be effectively accomplished by people within their own country reaching their own people. The title of today's episode is An Open Window. And you may have thought immediately that I might be referring to an opportunity or a possibility, like when we say the Apostle Paul had an open door to go to Macedonia. If we say that there is a window open, we are usually indicating a time period because windows don't stay open long. But the open window I'm going to tell you about was actually a literal open window and it may have saved someone's life. It was an open window in Zimbabwe. Let me back up. Gospel Inc. began as an organization in 1998. And the Lord led me to serve in this ministry in 2002. At that time, my knowledge of Africa was limited. Like most boys, I knew where Egypt, Congo, and Madagascar are located because of the many hours spent playing the game of risk. Other than that, I was aware that Africa was plagued with malaria, riots, an HIV crisis, but I knew that it also boasted beautiful game parks, elephants, cheetahs, crocodiles. Only a week or two before reporting to the Gospel Inc. office, I was sharing with a friend in Montana 
about my new direction in life and how I would be a part of finding reliable men of God who were planting churches and spreading the gospel. Part of my newfound duties would be to visit a different country in Africa every year and to be part of the accountability that Gospelink provides in ensuring that these sponsored preachers are faithful and service-oriented. My friend, more read up than I, pursed his lips together and stated simply, don't go to Zimbabwe. My mind raced. Did Gospel Inc. work in Zimbabwe? Where, where was Zimbabwe? What was wrong with Zimbabwe? I hated to appear ignorant, but I'm willing to accept humility. Hmm, I don't know, I answered honestly at that time. I think Zimbabwe sounds familiar, but I really don't know if we work there or not. Why? What's wrong with Zimbabwe? My friend looked grim and repeated solemnly, don't go to Zimbabwe. It's returning to jungle life, disarray, chaos. I remember him shaking his head. There's no law and order there. It's not safe. So, needless to say, one of the first inquiries I subtly made at the Gospel Inc. office was concerning Zimbabwe. Yes, I learned, Gospel Inc. was supporting about 50 men in Zimbabwe at that time. And the economic system was so broken that the support they received from their financial partners here in America was very significant. No, I would not be sent to Zimbabwe on my first introduction to Africa. But yes, I would go to Zimbabwe eventually. I emotionally exhaled. Oh, well, maybe things would get better by the time my turn arrived. My first trip actually turned out to be to Zambia, which is just north of Zimbabwe and much friendlier, I was told. My assignment to Zimbabwe would come a year later, but that's another story. How I got there, how I got lost, how I ended up with someone else's luggage, Let's just say you should stay tuned because there's more episodes on the way when it comes to Zimbabwe. <laughs> but suffice it to say that Zimbabwe is so broken, they have gone several years without currency. Really, all stores and markets actually demand payment in U.S. dollars or in euros or in S.A. Rand, South African Rand. In other words, there is no Zimbabwe money. Now, that wasn't the case when I was there, but that has happened since then. Without regressing into the sordid history of Zimbabwe, let me premise that people lust for power and control. Zimbabwe's leaders have operated under fear, resentment, suspicion, and blood guiltiness. It's not an easy place to live. You know, Jesus told his disciples, for the prince of this world comes and hath nothing in me. The prince of this world has come. He had no claim and no power over our Lord Jesus. But unfortunately, many men cannot say that. They have walked in the ways of dishonesty in order to gain power. The prince of this world does have a claim on them. These are the kind of men ruling in Zimbabwe. Patrick F. Moyo, or simply called PF, serves as Gospel Inc.'s national director in Zimbabwe. The very setting of his house and home symbolizes his leadership. Gweru, his town, lies right in the heart of the country, 
a midpoint between the two large metropolitan cities, Harare and Bulawayo. The tensions between the north and the south foment hostility on a regular basis. Gweru lies in between. The fractious times that P.F. Moyo has lived through have shaped his demeanor. He is slow to speak. He is calculated. He is godly. Supporting a salt and pepper beard when I met him, he told me story after story about danger of Zimbabwe. I had, after all, <laughs> inquired into this subject. Suspicions and political intrigues have found their way even into the church, and P.F. had deacons in his church trying to eliminate him, at least from church leadership, and possibly from the planet. Once he received a letter in the mail that read, My weapon is too short for now, but if it was long enough, I would have eliminated you long ago. However, your movements are monitored. Not long from now, you will be history. <laughs> Doesn't exactly encourage someone to go out and get to know their neighbors, does it? But again, I'm reminded that the prince of this world comes to intimidate and to bring fear. That's Zimbabwe. P.F. took the letter to the police, who promised to investigate it, but nothing was ever reported. Once on Easter weekend, P.F. took his family to a youth conference. Instead of staying the entire weekend, they returned home on Saturday. At midnight, P.F. was wakened by the sound of a vehicle. He peeped through the window and identified a grayish Mazda truck. These were commonly used by the policemen. As he watched the movements of the men, he discerned that their intent was to bury some weapons in his garden. He turned on the outside light, and like cockroaches, the men boarded their truck and lit a shuck out of that area. He knew that they were burying weapons within his private property, so that then they could mount a search and arrest operation. It's a common ploy against people they consider to be political enemies. But P.F. is not political. He preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. He preaches the goodness of Jesus Christ. He taught people to forgive their offenders. He preaches forgiveness and brotherhood under Christ. He told people that the peacemakers are the children of God. As I have hinted earlier, Zimbabwe history is not my forte, but through violence, they gained their independence in 1980. Political fighting and civil strife have killed thousands in the years that followed. Finally, in 1987, the ZANU and the ZAPU parties signed an agreement. Just prior to that signing, P.F. Moyo received two visitors. They were not men that he was discipling, nor were they men he was training for the ministry. They were two secret agents, they explained, they had been following him and monitoring him for the last four years. As a leader in the community, and one whose roots were from, were from the midlands of Zimbabwe, where dissidents abounded, P.F. had been under suspicion and surveillance without knowing it. Now these two men told them that they believed that all the rumors against him had only been fabrications. They told him to continue on in his ministry without fear from now on. In a manner of speaking, they told this pastor that the enemy 
had no claim on him. Oh, if it were that easy, turn your guns in, forgive in your hearts, love your neighbor as yourself. Those will be mandates in the great millennium of Jesus Christ. But today, Zimbabwe still suffers under the relentless scourge of corruption and danger. PF continues planting churches. He was one of the first three preachers who began receiving financial support from a financial sponsor through Gospel Inc. way back in 1998. Since that time, he has planted over 22 churches. I cannot describe PF Moyo as a loquacious storyteller. Quick tongues in Zimbabwe do not wag long. I stayed with him for two weeks, and eventually our fellowship in the gospel and perhaps my naivety combined with my desire to learn encouraged him to share with me some of his close encounters. In our country, civil service is respected, encouraged. We need Christians to run for office, to be on the school board, and to be salt in the business world around them. In Zimbabwe, any political activity marks you as a suspect. How loyal are you? Are you a double agent? What's your real aspirations? Who's paying you? PF actually helped monitor parliamentary elections back in 1998. But throughout the whole country, the event was marred with demonstrations and violence. When the presidential election followed two years later, PF declined the request to be part of the monitoring process. Too dangerous, really. Excusing himself immediately aroused suspicions. The ruling party had by this time created an unsavory but effective method for reducing opposition. Large crowds of unemployed, often uneducated and desperate youth were paid clandestinely to rob and to loot a dwelling at night. Police patrols are conveniently absent or late in arrival, and the young people enjoy the spoils of whatever they take, and probably some extra bonus for other criminal acts. These mob actions throughout the country were always condemned, but never prosecuted. PF had declined the position of election monitor, and the mob came for him. It was right around 11 p.m. He was awakened by a soft knock at his bedroom door. A mob is forming in the street not far away, his daughter said, trembling. It's too close for comfort, Daddy. Rising, the preacher who had dodged figurative bullets for 20 years wondered, would he have to dodge them literally tonight? Through the curtains, he could see indeed that their house might indeed be the target. Through the darkness, the rabble moved closer in. Some of the youths used alcohol to raise their courage and lower their conscience. Others dwelt on past oppressions and personal loss to motivate them to steal and to do harm. Don't make a sound, P.F. whispered to his family. Don't turn on a light. Don't cough. Thugs with billy clubs led the way, and first a dozen, and then up to two dozen approached the house. They knocked on the door. We didn't dare answer the door, P.F. told me. We didn't move. Now, I'm an American, so I ask the American question. Pastor Moyo, why didn't you call the police? I mean, pretty obvious solution to me. P.F. Moyo's eyes sparkled slightly. 
His story was far from humorous, but he knew a bulwark and a stronghold greater than the police. And his recollection of that night made him appreciate the protection of the Holy One. The police were with them. He spoke softly and assuredly. We've always heard there's no such thing as a stupid question. Well, that had been one. Oh, I answered blankly. So what happened? Our doors were locked, but that might not have kept them out. They walked around the house, and one of them called out, Over here! Over here! There's an open window! I winced. No, P.F. shook his head, realizing that I did not comprehend African culture. We heard them discussing the situation. The open window indicates that no one is home. Let's come back later, they said. Now, wait a minute, I interjected. In America, thieves break in when no one is home. Uh, they weren't just trying to steal. They suspected me to be a part of the opposition because I was unwilling to be a part of monitoring the election. They planned to fix me. But when they returned, we had left the window as it was. They assumed we were not at home, and they left. I would like to say that Zimbabwe is better today. Hmm, I can't really say that it is. The prince of this world still claims many in power. A selfish, evil dictator finally grows old and dies, but his regime is replaced by an equally wicked one. No one knows how to run an economy there, and those in power don't care as long as they stay in power. Poverty marches on. Envy, suspicion, and fear begin to mold what was once a happy, pleasant culture in the middle of Africa. You know, I'm not ending this on a very good note, am I? No, you see, we still live in the world, a world in turmoil and in darkness. Aren't you glad we don't live in Zimbabwe? But you know what? We have brothers and sisters that do live in Zimbabwe. Men like P.F. Moyo, he raised his family to fear the Lord more than to fear the politics of his time. I've stayed with them. P.F. Moyo preaches the peace that we can have with God despite the upheaval of his country. Since he's been sponsored through Gospel Inc., like I said, he has planted 22 churches. And you know, the people in those churches have eternal life through Christ Jesus. They have an eternal hope. They will have an eternal peace. And that, my friends, is good news. And the dawning to noonday bright And Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth The kingdom of love and light You know we think about countries like Zimbabwe where people live with such disarray and uncertainty and injustice and it should make us appreciate what God has given us here. Yet from another perspective our culture lulls people to sleep and gives them a sense that peace and prosperity are the ultimate goals of life. That's certainly not what our Lord Jesus taught. I wonder somehow if all that chaos in Zimbabwe has actually helped P.F. Moyo to plant 22 churches. We can praise God that even where the wicked rule, the church can be a light.
I'm grateful that in places like the U.S., where the economy is fairly solid, God has raised up people to sponsor and support men like P.F. Moyo. It's our privilege to help people like him. And who knows how long that window will be open. For now it is. Come check out the website, cupofgoodnews.org. Cupofgoodnews.org. You can see a picture of P.F. Moyo with yours truly. For now, enjoy the good news from Zimbabwe.